And as we're celebrating Valentine's Day, really it's a time I know, you know, it's like the, the love holiday, but it's not just like the love between, you know, a, a, a man and a woman. But I really feel like it's an opportunity for us to celebrate the people in our life that we love, the relationships that we have. You know, God has designed us to be relational people. He wants us to have those, those deep friendships, those sweet friendships. He, he created us for that. He created us for community. And, you know, relationships are not easy, right? With friendships, within marriages come the good, the bad, and the ugly, all of it. But the Bible speaks very clearly about relationships and gives us examples uh, in the Bible over and over again of, of friendships and of betrayal and of marriage and, and deep loss. And it just goes through all, all kinds of different things that we experience uh, within our relationships. And so um, this morning, we just want to, like Chris was saying, we don't have all the answers, but we hopefully we just want to point you uh, into God's word and give you a starting point. Um, and really, we want you to see the value in the relationships that are in your life. God put those people in your life for a reason. There's great value in that. And so today, we just want to dive in to all things relationships and hopefully help you to leave here today with just some practical practical stuff. Hey, and don't, don't be afraid. Come on, just, just load these questions up. Anything you're thinking, you can remain completely anonymous. As you see, all of these so far are anonymous. And uh, so if you ever like, I've always wanted to ask this question, but I've never been able to, like, here's your, here is your opportunity. We're going to try to move through as many as we can. So it's not like an in-depth Bible study in all of these, but just kind of, you're going to hear us just talk about them and, and, um, and try to get to as many of them as we can. You guys ready? If you're ready, say ready. All right. Tatum, here we go. Let's do it. How do you, this is number one up on top, 17 wow. votes already. How do you raise kids to have their own relationship with Jesus and not force Christianity on them? That's a great question. That is a great question. Good luck question. with that. Thank you. Um, you know, actually, I love this question because yeah. Chris and I knew that we wanted to be in ministry early on. And when we went to have kids, most pastor's kids, most PKs that I knew, they did not love the church and they did not love God. And so I was very intentional and said on, I'm going to raise kids that, that love the Lord um, and love his house. And so that's something that I've always been very passionate about. And all of our kids right now are walking with the Lord. They love Jesus. And I, I honestly think that the biggest thing is, is just to be real. Be real with so your good. kids. And, and, and you need to have a solid relationship with Christ, that your kids see that example that you're so setting good. for them. As they see you nurturing your faith and you living your life for him and honoring God and in your decisions and the things that you do, you're modeling that for them. And when they see that and they see it done in a healthy way, then, then they want to experience that in their own life. And so I always say, I want to see my kids. I want them to experience God working in them, and I want them to experience God working through them. Right. And so as they see that in, in Chris and I, I believe that that, that – outpours into their life, and they want to have that as well for themselves. And so I think a big thing is don't compartmentalize like, oh, we go to church on Sunday, and then, you know, so we live like hell the rest of the week. But following God and honoring him with your life always, that yeah. example that you're setting for your kids, I think is going to allow them to, they're going to want that same thing. They're going to hunger and thirst after God and after his word. So just be real and just model it. Model it for your kids. Absolutely. Like, I think about it like this. Like, I don't have to con I don't have to convince you how good God is. I don't have to sell uh, people on the goodness of God. What, God is good. Come on, everybody. Like, God is great. We magnify the Lord. What does that mean? We just, we let you see a bigger picture of how God is, how 
great God is. And that's all we're doing with our kids. We just live, you just live your life uh, to where instead of like being preached at, your kids do not need another sermon. Like, how do I teach my kids to walk with Jesus? Take them to another church and get them a better sermon. No, they need it, they need it modeled to them. Our kids know that God is good because they've watched God be good in our family over and over again as we've loved God, served him, and, and they know that God can pull off the miraculous because God has pulled off the miraculous in our house, and we give him honor and glory every time he does. They, they do know that, that you can pray bold prayers and take bold steps. Oh, they've watched us do it. You see, it's modeling, not just preaching. So the church will do all we can to come alongside you, but my friend, just be real, live it, live it out in front of them. They'll catch it. They'll want, they'll want it um, when it's coming alive in your life, all right? So. And I, th I think another big thing, too, is that kids, oftentimes when they grow up in the church, they feel this pressure of I have to, to be a certain way, I have to act a certain way and do certain things. But allowing your kids to know that there's grace and that you know that they're going to make mistakes and it's not behavior modification, but, it, but it's their heart. So good. It's a matter of the heart. And so in allowing your kids, like, they're going to mess up. Right? They're going to make mistakes, and that's okay, and there's grace for that. And I think that's huge for kids not to feel like, oh, if I'm a church kid, you know, I've, I've got to live my life a certain way. Like, they're, they're going to mess up. They're going to make mistakes. Gosh, Tatum, that, that's huge. I know that we wanted to get through a bunch of these questions, but I think I want to push into that really quick because I see this all the time in Christian homes where your home is militant, where it's like you break the rule, and it's just like, and if you're not careful, what you're going to create is like this um, behavioral management system that kids figure out. Like, I know how to do what I need to do. Their heart is running from God, but they know how to keep mom and dad happy. So don't create a militant world for your kids. Create a life-giving, just open, where you're going after their heart. So Elias, buddy, you just ripped the head off your sister's Barbie. You know, it's not like, you know, Here's, you cross the line, and it's more like, what's going on inside of here, bud? Why did that happen? Let's talk about that. You're going after their heart. Does that make sense? And you get this happening, and I think train up their heart. Yeah. Um, is that good? All right, everybody? Did we do okay? I'm looking at some families out here going, these people need to be up here sharing um, right, right now. Um, but you guys, a lot of you have done such a great job with your kids, and uh, you are our role models. And so thank you for that. Um, next question. Again, like I said, we're going to jump through a bunch of these. My spouse is considering us having separate finances. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on this? Do you want me to take that one? Go for it. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, the context of this, we don't know. Are they currently married and she's looking at her husband or he's looking at his wife going, wow, you are messing this up. I need to take this over. Are they about to get married and uh, trying to figure it out? So there is no hard, fast Bible verse on this, but I will say, the Bible does say that when you get married, the two shall become one, okay? The two shall become one. And if you were to come into me uh, or come to, to Tate and I for counseling, let me sit down with a counseling session with you. You don't have to agree with me and you could still come to this church. It's okay. I'm looking at you and I say, listen, the two shall become one, like put it all in together. And you guys need to be able to figure this out together, if you cannot figure out your marriage, I, I mean, your financial things together, that is going to leak into all the other things you're trying to do together. Does that make sense? It's kind of, a, kind of an exposure thing. Uh, the problem is not we can't figure out our finances together. The problem is you guys probably need some coaching in figuring out all things together, communication. Your marriage should be at a place where 
you've got that, uh, you are one. Like we don't hide anything from each other. I don't have my account. She has her account. And if she goes off and she's, I'll put it on me. And I'm spending too much money over here. It's called a conversation, right? And if that conversation goes south, we go get help and counseling so we can continue to push toward the oneness. Listen, everybody, the moment things start to divide, you follow that road down. It starts out small. Oh, it's just this. But time goes by and pretty soon you end up in different worlds. So don't let the enemy anywhere start to push you away from one another. Does that make sense? There's some of you in here, like your next step in your relationship, you've been married and you haven't heard this before. You guys need to figure that out. God will honor the pressing into one another and the oneness in all things. Okay, does that make sense? And so I hope that answers your question. I might've opened a whole can of worms in your life, but that's what we're here for. Like the, the stuff, what I love about this is the questions start coming and now come on in, let's talk. Let's, that's real stuff. Let's, let's get into counseling. I can't with a one big brush stroke answer all this, but get those conversations happening, okay? So that's a great question. Come on, everybody, load us up. These are easy so far. Um, my, okay, we already did that one up on top. Chandler, if you can move that one on. Um, next one is this. One's still on top, Chandler. I'm just going to, okay, go ahead. Uh, for couples struggling in marriage but worried about seeking guidance because they don't want to air their dirty laundry, what advice do you have? Um, I think it's important, it's important to talk to someone. You don't want to talk to everyone, but you need to talk to someone. We need people to help guide us. Sometimes we're, we're in a situation in our marriage and we don't have the tools to get past it. Like you've been arguing, you've been talking it over and over. You just feel like you're going in a circle and you need some outside help. Um, so I'd say don't talk to everyone, but do talk to someone. And talk to someone, you know, not, not your friend Sally who's going to be like, yeah, your man's a jerk to you. You know, like you want to pick someone. If your name is Sally, <laughs> we love you. In your I always center. use the name Sally. Um, pick someone that, that is a mentor, someone that you look up to, someone that you know they have a healthy marriage. And go to them and, and talk with them and be open. Allow yourself to say, hey, here's where we're at. Here's where we're struggling. And get the help that you need. Don't be ashamed of that. Um, but it becomes airing your laundry when you're going and you're talking to everybody about it all the time. Um, and you, you don't want to go to somebody just for the sake of venting. You want to go to somebody because you want to get help, right? Yeah, so right. you're not going to, so you can just tell someone what a jerk your spouse Good, is. Okay. You're going to them because you genuinely want to get help for your situation. So I would say definitely make sure that you have somebody in your life or a couple somebodies in your life that you can talk to about yeah. what's going you, on. You've heard me say before, um, that you're, you're only as sick as your secrets, and, and uh, that's the same for an individual and also for couples. You know, like you, if you're wrestling with something, you're kind of trying to keep it secret, um, you're actually causing yourself to grow sicker. And so you're, I love the distinction you made, Tatum. It's you're getting it out there, not for the sake of airing your dirty laundry. Don't think of it like that. You're getting it out there so you can get healthy, right? And so on the other side of that conversation is health. Does that make sense, everybody? So don't be, don't be, it's all in how you approach it and, and how you move into it. Not everybody, but somebody, yeah. okay? Um, and, and I would recommend somebody, obviously filled with God, wisdom, come into the church. We have identified people in our congregation that actually have the gift of counseling and walking with others. 
and we are connected to a lot of other sources outside of our church to help with professional counseling, psychology, anything you need. We are here as a church to come alongside you in all of those conversations, all right? Yeah, and God, want, he wants you to have a thriving marriage. He wants you to have a healthy marriage. And we've seen it over and over again, couples that have come in for counseling and truly their best days are in front of them, that their marriage is in a better spot right. now That's than right. it was then because they were willing not to just, you know, keep it to themselves and continue to suffer so through it, but to get the help that they really need and they're able to work through things and be like, okay, we can do this. We've got this. So definitely get the help. Yeah, really good. I, I'm thinking of names right now. I won't do it. But just couples sitting in here that are in ministry and leads that, that started in big conversations with Tate and I where there was just stuff. And God is a, a healer. Amen? He is a redeemer in Jesus' name. All right, next question. Um, can you be gay slash lesbian and be faithful to God and accepted by him? That is a great question. It's one that we with like comes up a lot with with our student ministry and um, it's, all, it's a great question. I want to look at you and say this. It, the, the, I want to answer the tail end of that question. Oh, it disappeared. But it was something about it said, "Can you uh, be accepted by Him?" And the answer to that question is, listen, everybody, absolutely. God loves you. you I, I said it this morning. I didn't just say it uh, to sound, you know. I don't know, like some, like a slogan on a on a card or something. It's it's the reality. God loves you no matter what, whatever you're struggling with, wherever you are, whatever, you know, however you've labeled yourself, however the world's labeled you. God looks at you and says, "I love you." Period. End of subject. So, can you be accepted by Him? Absolutely. He He loves you in that sense, right? He loves you right where you are. The thing that frustrates me a little bit about this conversation, and and I'll just be just me just talking with you, right? Be open and honest with you, is that we take this gay, lesbian, transgender, and we, we blow it up into this other conversation when really it's the same conversation that we're having with any other, what we call, what the Bible calls sin. Is it a sin? Yeah. Well, guess what? So is, so is pride. And guess what? So is, you know, uh, uh, you know being, the Bible says that if, with wine, not to be drunk with wine, you know, that, I mean, come on, everybody. There's, there's, there are these things that God says is sin. Well, who is he? He's God. And, and he knows the reason God says, don't touch, don't do this, don't whatever. It's not because he's a cosmic killjoy, please hear me. It's because he loves you and know how this works. So when God says, I've got something for you outside of what you're living in and trying to hold, your, hold to, it's because he knows that there's more for you. I do it every Sunday. I'm gonna say there's more, there's more, right? There is, there's more, right? And so what God is trying to do is to get you to let go of what you think is so great and actually move into how, he's, how he actually has designed you to be. Now, with that said, we live in a fallen planet, meaning this, scripture says that we, we are born into sin. When you're born, you literally, I argument's sake, you could go into the DNA of, of who we are as, as humanity. We will trend toward our pull toward rebellion against God. There's something in us. It's, our, it's called our, our sin nature, our old sin nature. It pulls toward, for those of you who are, are believers today, the old sin nature, it pulls toward this rebellion against God. Now, everybody's going to have a different pull. Some will be pulled toward pride. Some will be pulled toward, uh, you know, substance abuse, some are pulled toward lust, some are pulled toward homosexuality, some are pulled toward, you know, you fill in the blank. Now, let's answer the question. How do you 
navigate that? Well, first of all, you need to realize it is sin. And you, and you handle it the same way you handle every sin. How is that? I repent. I ask God by his spirit to fill me with the strength to move forward into what he has for me. Okay? Now, can you be struggling with it and still be a Christian? Listen, absolutely. Another, think about the question. Can you be struggling with alcohol and still be a Christian? Can you be struggling with pride and still be a Christian? Help me. Yes. Man, my goodness, there wouldn't be a pulpit in America today if the, the, if the, filled with anybody if the, you know, the line was you've got to be not struggling in order to stand there and preach on Sunday morning. Or you, you, can't, you can't struggle and be a Christian. My goodness, this, the whole point of this thing is that we move forward together into all that God has. Does that make sense? Okay. So I want you to hear this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 11. And here's what I want you to do. Paul's writing these letters, and they're being sent to churches that are not churches like we think about today. They're in these, like, homes, right? And there's, like, there's 30 people there, 25 people there. And they're getting a letter from Paul, which now we call Scripture. And they get this letter from Paul. Paul knows the church. The church is asking questions to Paul. Paul's answering the questions. And so the point is, remember, they all know each other. They know your background. They know what you came out of, all that. And here's the letter that Paul writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 and 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. All right? So as he's reading this list and you're in this church, you're like, oh. Talking about you. Oh, sorry. This is like he's, and everyone's getting like, oh my gosh, like Paul's calling us out because it's the truth. The reality is these things are sin. They're outside of God's heartbeat and intention and design for you, right? Everyone follow me so far? Now watch the next thing he says. He lists them all and says, and homosexual and all that, it's all in the same pot. It's all in the same thing. And he says, and such were some of you. In other words, listen to me. That used to identify you. That used to be, well, I'm this. Well, I'm just a, and I'm a that. And I, I identify with it. And he goes, no, such were some of you. That no longer identifies you. Do you struggle? Sure. But you are not that. Watch. Because watch, he goes on to say, such were some of you. But you were, thank you, God washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. He said, I washed you of that. I cleansed you of that. Amen. Like, like you, are, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That does not mean that you move forward and don't struggle. That means when you struggle, you look and go, that's not who I am. That's who I, that's, that used to, that's not who I am. I'm moving forward in Jesus' name. And the Spirit of God will actually continue to give you the strength to move Move forward. So to answer your question, yes, you can struggle. Yes, you got to know God loves you right where you are. And we're just going to keep moving forward together. All of us with all our issues and all our stuff. None of it is too messy for God. No matter how deep your sin is, listen, the grace of God is still yet deeper in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. That's good. Amen. Good question. Anything else like that? We're ready. Come on. Tate, you want to read the next one? Sure. We have, I'm engaged and sex seems very scary. I just feel uncertain about everything around it. Is there a way to feel more confident about it? If you were in, um, 
if you came in for marriage, so young, maybe young couple, it's like, oh my gosh, what are we, what are we getting ourselves into? So you probably grew up, you're homeschooled. I'm just kidding. I'm totally, I shouldn't have said that. I'm totally sorry. Shouldn't have said that. Um, so I quick, was homeschooled part yeah, time, I know. so That's he can why make I'm fun. Allowed to make he can fun. make fun. It's, I believe in and I was very all sheltered. schooling, everybody. Please don't make another question about. Um, so, yeah, so if you came in for premarital counseling, we would actually, there's some, there's some uh, uh, great Christian authors that, that write about intimacy and marriage that will help you kind of get a good understanding. Tatum, you could, you could speak to this. I mean, I grew up, I was very sheltered, so I'm just going to be honest with all you right now. I, right before we got married, I'm like, I hope it's what I think it is, because I'm not totally sure. Oh I was very gosh. sheltered. And so, yes, there was a book, I don't remember the name of it, that our, the pastor that was counseling, premarital counseling us, that gave to us to read, and that was helpful. So I would just say, yeah, read up on it. And yes, of course, if, you know, if you, it's your first time, like, it is absolutely scary, um, but it's going to be good. In Jesus' name, it's going to be good. And it gets better with time. It's going to be great. That. Are you kidding me? It's insane. The night after Tate and I had our, Tate and I had our, honey, our honeymoon night, and, uh, and I will oh, tell man. you, we, we were, listen, we were, both, we were both virgins when we got married. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, it is possible for those of you. Yeah. And, and, it, and I'm telling you, I, am, I'm a, I was a hunk of a guy. You, th- you were shocked I could keep my hands was, off like, you. And like all the other girls. Like, oh, that's just everybody. True. That's so, true. Anyway, I'm just kidding. So hope to those of you who are like, is it even possible? Um, we get married. The, the next, the, we have our honeymoon night. The next morning, I wake up to Tatum crying next to me. <laughs> Literally, that's what I wake up to. And I'm thinking to myself, was it that bad? Like, what the heck? I was like, it's not you. I missed my family. She missed her family on the next, first thing. It's our first day young. together. I missed my family. I'm like, it's day one. Oh, my gosh, we're in trouble. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think there's good resources uh, uh, for you. Just read. I mean, goodness, ho- hopefully you got a good relationship with somebody, mom or dad or somebody. Who, I know that's awkward. You come talk to Tatum. <laughs> she, she'll help you out, all right? Um, got you. Got you. Go ahead, read that next one. How do you know if God is telling you to give up a relationship or to keep fighting for it? It's a great question, and there's a lot of different contexts, right? Um, if you're married, you're staying in that relationship, and you're gonna, your, your future is better together. Come in, let's go. You're going to be all right. We'll get, you'll get it through it, right? Um, if you are dating and there's some red flags and stuff starting to show up, we need to talk about those, yeah. all right? Do you want to speak to some of that tape? I collect my thoughts. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, yeah. If you're dating and, and things are coming up, and you're you're worried about if it's worth fighting for, I, I would be questioning if that's a, a healthy relationship to continue. Um, if it's just a friendship, you know, I I talk with my girls. Sometimes friendships are seasonal. You know, yeah. there's different seasons in your life, and and that's okay. It's okay to um, friendships will come and go through your lifetime. Um, if one is, you know, if it's toxic and there's just constant tension, then yeah, it might be time to say, hey, we've got to let this go. Um, just go our separate directions and agree to disagree. Um, I think you just kind of have to feel that out, whether yeah, it's I think, worth. Here's, let me say this. Like, uh, the Bible says that we're not to be unequally yoked. And, I, and, and I'm a little bit stretching this, but I think, there's, I think there's grace in God's word to do this, that as you grow as a Christian and as you grow in your relationship with Jesus, I just think your friendship's they shift a little bit. Um, 
the, that word for yoked means that they would yoke two oxen together. It would go around their necks, one oxen, the other oxen. They would plow a field together. And you and your friendships, you're, you're pushing forward together into everything God has for, for your lives. But if you have somebody that you're yoked with that's kind of pulling you in the wrong direction, after a while you're like, does this, or like you're on fire for God and you want to run into this, and do that, but they're kind of just not. After a while you feel that, that divide, you feel that unequally yokedness, and you need to put boundaries in your life. That relationship might need to be pushed into another category. It's not that you write them off completely, but you, you've got to shift that in order for you to continue to plow a straight line in the field that God has called you to. Does that make sense? And so you'll feel that. You'll feel that in your, as you're growing in, in, in the Lord. You, you get around yourself, others who are fervent, have that same like uh, tenacity you do in the things of the Lord, you know? And so it's okay to start. I say it this way, not all, not all relationships are created equal. Not all friendships are created equal. The Bible says, he who hangs with fools will suffer harm. There's collateral damage. And, um, and so you've got to learn to draw boundaries, guard yourself, and it's okay to move forward. How do you know when it's, uh, when it's time to, to move forward from a relationship is, are you feeling that unequally yokedness, you know? Is it pulling you? Uh, I like the idea of, of positives and negatives. Are they constantly withdrawing and you find yourself bankrupt all the time? It's probably an unhealthy spot to be in in a relationship. Um, there needs to be a give and take in relationships and sometimes that's not there and it becomes very unhealthy really, really quick. So some things to kind of consider and think on. Tate, you have anything Yeah, else? I think too, if you decide to go your separate ways, as much as it is possible with you, do not allow there to be unresolved tension. Um, I know we've had friendships that we were close with growing up, but then they're, they're not our friends anymore. But as far as we're concerned, we never allow there to be unresolved totally. tension. If I run into them somewhere, Big like hug, I want to be able to give them a hug and say hi. So I would say don't allow it to end with like bitterness and with an attitude, but allow so it to time. end with, hey, we can agree to disagree and go our separate ways, but I'm still going to love you and I'm still going to give you a hug and I'm still going to say hi. Yeah, I, I think, gosh, we could just keep going forever on that thing. But I, I love the analogy of like a Lego. You know, you only have so many connectors on a Lego. Some of you are like just the four one. Some of you are like the two one. I only got to have two friendships. That's all I got, right? Some of you, you got like, you get like, you're like, the, you're like the motherboard. You know what I'm talking about? Like you, got, you can be connected with everybody. So you just got to know your, you, you, you know what I'm talking about, the motherboard, like you build everything, the house is on it. You just gotta, you gotta know where you're at. Like I can only go deep with four or six or whatever. And after that, it just, it throws my world. That's okay, that's who you are, you know? And, and you draw those boundaries in, in your life, all right? And so, there you go. There you go, okay. You guys doing all right? Okay. Do you wanna read this one? Read it. Okay, so my spouse wants to have sex more often. Is there such a thing as too much sex? Idolizing sex in a marriage. Depends on, depends on who you're talking to. Um, I'm sure, I'm thinking a woman probably wrote this, but I could be wrong. She's like, he didn't take his hands off me. Um, so the book of Corinthians uh, talks about that, that um, sex within a, the confines of a marriage is actually something that is owed to, to one another. And I am looking for the verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 through 5 says this. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due to her. You see that? Due to her. Like you have, a, you have a duty, dear husband, to render to your wife the affection due to her. And likewise, 
the wife to the husband. The wife does not have, this is my favorite Bible verse, I have it on our mirror, in our, in our, the wife does not have authority over her own body, the husband does. You have a t-shirt. That's my body. You have that a t-shirt my, that has this, also, right? Yeah. Just kidding. I don't have a t-shirt, that'd be great though. <laughs> and likewise, the husband does not have authority over his body, the wife does. That belongs to me. Tate Love says, well, that belongs to me. She goes, I want you to go on a diet right now. You need to do more sit-ups. I want my body to do more sit-ups. This is in your Bible. Watch. Do not deprive one another except for with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Scripture is saying that you need to render to each other the sexual, um, the, yeah, well, the affection that is due to one another. It's due. It's it's. Owed. Like in a marriage, it's, it's, scripture says you guys need to be having sex. Lots of it. Men, amen. Come on, amen with me. Um, and then he says, don't be apart from each other for too long because, because you give the enemy a foothold. I tell couples sometimes uh, that the, the, the space between you is sometimes where the enemy sleeps. Like you, you cannot go forever and ever, and we're not having, having sex. I'll get the other side of this. So when I sit down with a couple and we do mar marriage counseling, I'll, I'll ask them, when was the last time you are intimate? And that'll tell me a whole lot about where their, where their relationship is. Um, if they're like, well, it's been like weeks or it's been months, I'm like, okay. There's something going on that we need to get to the core of so we can bring healing. Now, on the other side of this, it's not sex on demand. Girl, don't you dare walk in. Pastor Chris, say it. <laughs> Bible, let's go, you know. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, um, it's not sex on, on demand. Um, so, how much is too much? The Bible says that a wife is to render to her husband, and a, and a husband is to render to her wife. I don't, I just think that you have to have enough sex to meet each other's sexual desires. I think that's biblical. Um, I think that if a, if a man is, a, is abusing this and your wife needs a break, brother, love her enough to give her a break <laughs> uh, if, that's the, if, that's the, if that's the case. Um, I don't know, Tatum, help me out. That was good. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, that the, the physiological makeup of a, of a male, of a man, is that is is every 72 hours and so every church i've ever been in and I've ever had this talk i the men love me for this i call it the 72 hour rule okay like how much sex should a, should a couple be having every 72 hours at least at least some of you are like that's not enough well good for you guys you that's you some of you do whatever that's too much every 72 hours and so does that help anybody we all right like one one person brave enough in the back to say to say amen you're welcome. I have a friend in Orange County that was at our church. He's like, man, Pastor Chris, remember when you talked about that 24-hour rule? I love that rule. I'm like, I did not say that. I did not say that. Um, is that a good balance, everybody? Uh, so I, on a scale of 1 to 10, married couples, uh, how does your sex life rate compared to what's biblical? What I would say to you is get biblical. Read 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5. Find to honor each other. You know, you guys need to talk that stuff out, and um, hopefully that's a little bit helpful. That's good. Okay. Um, Wait, can I say this? You can say whatever you want. Sometimes guys are being 
like, can I talk to you just being a, you're being an idiot? And then you're like, let's have sex. You're being an idiot. Like, become a man, get some momentum in your life, like, love your wife as Christ loved the church, and then maybe you wouldn't have to be, like, begging all the time. The Bible says, love your wife as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself for her. I'm telling you, boys, you lay your life down and you sacrifice for your wife, you're going to have a good night. If you walk around. You do those dishes. And you find out, honestly, you need to do this. It's called love languages. Tatum's love language, it's the worst one. Like, I wish her love language was, like, quality time. Like, I'm down. Her love language is is acts of service. Like, I'm not talking, like, I got to do dishes. You know, that's acts of service. You find that out, and you, your wife wants you to love her, and when you're loving her, she can come right back and respect you. But if you're not loving her, don't be like, why aren't you respecting me? Why you? It's because you're not doing your job. So I put on the man first. Uh, love your wife as Christ loved the church. How he laid his life down. You go laying your life down for your wife, I'm telling you what, it'll change the dynamic in your marriage. This question comes like, my girl's not so, it, that's trouble, okay? Does that make sense? I just wanted to balance that out. Golf clap, Tatum. Golf clap. I know, I know. It's like, that's good. Uh, They're afraid. They're like, can we clap for that one? Can we not clap for that one? Uh, yeah, yeah. Coach Thank Ron's you, Coach. Like, let's do Thank it. You, coach. Let's do it. Yeah. So we've got we've got like five ten minutes left. You guys, let's let's uh, vote questions up to the top. Um, all right. Wow. Okay. How does pornography affect your relationship with God? Well, pornography comes from the root word scripturally in Latin. It's uh, pornea. It's, it's anything. It's outside of sex within a marriage, within a marriage covenant relationship. And how does it affect it? It's sin. It's sin. Um, my eyes, my heart, my intention needs to be toward my wife and my wife alone. Okay? This is where... Uh, sex is to come alive and be experienced. Outside of that, it's sin. Remember, Jesus took everything back to the heart. He said, if you look at a woman and lust after her in your heart, it's adultery. So what we do is we confess those things. We will let Jesus wash us and cleanse us and and move us toward a, a marriage relationship. It will, listen, like any sin does, it clogs your your relationship with God, okay? Like God wants to have a, like a relationship with you. You got this sin. What do you got to do? You got to get this sin out of the way. You confess it. Be washed of it, cleansed of it. There's some websites you need to stop going to. There's some, there's some software you need to put on your computer, Covenant Eyes. Get some friends to come alongside you and help you with what you're struggling with. There's a book you need to read called Every Man's Battle that uh, friend Steve, my friend Steve Artiburn wrote. And... and um, and there's some steps you need to take because, yes, it does. And actually, Steve answers that in his book uh, about your, how it affects your relationship with God. And so I recommend that, that book to, to you. Okay, how about um, when is the right time to talk to your kids about sex? I don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't know there's a specific age. It was different for all three of our kids. Um, Elias being a boy going into middle school, going into sixth grade is when we, we talked with him. Rye did not want to grow up. She would literally cry and be like, I don't want you to talk to me about grown-up things. And so we waited till going into eighth grade. We're like, you ha- we've got to tell you now. You're so going nice into eighth grade. We still haven't talked the cadence yet. So. <laughs> 
Yes, we have. <laughs> Wherever Kate is. Is she here? I don't know. Is she in here? She probably left. She's like, I don't want to hear. Like, oh, oh there she is. We're <laughs> Love just, you, baby. Oh, I'm just kidding. You're in trouble now. <laughs> uh, Kate going into seventh grade. So there wasn't a specific age, I don't think. I think you kind of have to know your kid um, and know maybe if your kid's a little bit more inquisitive or maybe that their kids, their friends that they're hanging out with. Um, the goal is you want your kid to hear from you first yes. before they find out on the playground. And yes. so that's quickly changing in this world. Absolutely. You have to navigate that. You've got to feel that out. Be close enough to your kids to know. And I would say if you're looking for some good material to use, we used Passport to Purity um, by Focus on the Family, and it's absolutely great. We listened to all of the, um, the DVDs. tapes or DVDs, whatever it was, school. way back in the day. And we took notes on it, and we just made a night. We would take the kids out, and we would have the talk with them, and then we would go do something fun with them. But that's just a great resource Yeah, it's a great resource. Um, and on that resource, again, Passport to Purity, what I recommend uh, for you families that are at this stage with your kids a lot of, the, it's designed to, you actually play it and they listen to it and like while, while you sit there and watch them interact with this uh, content. But I actually think what I would encourage you to do is to take it, mom and dad sit down, absorb the content, uh, focus on the family, does a great job of laying out the content. I think you, I would encourage you, you absorb it and then through your personality and who you are, give that content to your, to your, to your kids. I want, I want them to hear it from you. Um, I think it's really important. Um, if you're like, I can't talk to my kids about that, like Dobson and all that, they do a great job of it uh, as well. And it walks them through everything. It walks them through peer pressure. It walks them through, you know, um, pornography, set, all of it. And it's, it's great, great, great uh, I think what's good about it is you talking to your kids about it is so that as they get older and they, they face different things, they've already had that conversation. You've already opened up that conversation with them so they feel comfortable that they can come talk to you as they're growing up and have other questions in regards to relationships and all that. All right, I'm gonna do one more question. I'm just gonna do it. Um, tips for maintaining purity in a relationship. So to all of our, all of our, all of our uh, dating couples waiting for marriage, all of our, all of our dating couples in here, um, I, I always wanna look, look at you in the eye and say this, learn to honor God now in, and you're asking, so you want to. Learn to honor God now in your dating relationship so that you can honor God in your marriage. There's a, there's a lie out there that, the, that sexual temptation goes away once you're married. A bunch of guys walk around, if I just get married, right? If I just get married. Come on, how many of you used to pray that, that you could get married before the rapture of the church or whatever, right? Come on. Um, but what you need to understand is that's a lie. Uh, sexual temptation actually doesn't go away. It, it transitions, right? Sexual temptation is still there. Or we wouldn't have things like adultery, pornography, th those things, they shift. And so learning to slay those battles now in your dating relationship yeah. is going to help you as you move into your, into your marriage relationship. If you honor God now, you're gonna be able to honor God in your marriage, marriage relationship. Yeah. So you get a running start uh, by putting God at the center. Um, you need to think about sexuality within a dating relationship. Remember that sex outside of marriage is, according to scripture, it is sin. It's not God's desire for you. He knows that it's not good for you. Fire in a fireplace is great, right? Like you like douse that thing with kerosene, let's go, get it hot. Like we like it, whatever, right? But if you, like if your living room catches on fire, that's not good, right? So sex in its right spot actually enhances and outside it actually deteriorates a, a relationship. And so you need to find ways to, the, I, as a couple to guard your purity. And if that means that 
I mean, you know where your lines are. Uh, not being alone here, not doing whatever. Guard, I'm going to guard this fight for the purity. I mean, look at the men, the boys in here, the guys in here, hopefully you're becoming men. You, as a man, you'll fight for that. I told First Service this, and then we'll close. That if you're a young girl in here, and you're dating a guy, and all he wants to do is go find some dark alley and make out, I'm telling you right now, if that's all he's ever wanting to do, you just need to break up with him right now. Because what you have is a boy and not a man. When you have a man, he's going he's gonna to fight to honor your purity and do all he can to guard you. He's going to see you in such high esteem and value that he's going to fight to honor that. He's always just like, let's go make out, let's go make Like he, come on, you know what I'm saying? Like he needs some momentum. That guy's probably going to end up being 30, staying at home and playing video games, right? Like you need him to have, come on somebody, right? Some momentum in his, in his life. And so that's not to say it's not easy. No, it's not easy. But if you have messed up, there's grace. There's, you, you just try again. You, you let God forgive you and wash you and you get up and you keep pursuing purity. You fight for it. Um, but get some friends to help hold you guys accountable in the sense of where you're going and, and how much time you spend alone and those things. Got anything else to add to that? Yeah, no, I was just say just, yeah, put boundaries in your relationship. I mean, if you know that you're going to go park up at sunset, a dark time, probably not a good idea. So just yeah, put up some that's healthy, definitely not a healthy good boundaries. That's definitely not, a, definitely not a good idea. You guys all right? Did you have fun? Thank you guys for your questions. Come on, everybody. Let me know. Was it good? Well, hey. All this talk about relationships, you need to know that none of your relationships, whether married, friendships, uh, family, they will never thrive until your relationship with God thrives. Like, that is the re number one relationship. And once that's in line, all, it leaves room for every other relationship in your life to come alive. You can have a good marriage or you can have a great marriage. A good marriage is not putting God at the center. A great marriage says, God, we want you at the center. So to have God at the center of your relationships, you got to have God at the center of your life. And the best thing you can do for your relationships is to get your relationship with God figured out. you got to do business with him. And I imagine in a, in a group like this, there's some of you have come in here and you've not yet done business with God. You've never said yes to Jesus. That is the first relationship you need to get figured out. What I love is God's word is all about relationships. The most important thing in your life is relationships. Relationship with him and your relationship with others. You get that one figured out first. And God just starts to bless all those other ones, all right? And so friends, I wanna encourage you before you leave, if you need to do business with God, if you need to get that relationship figured out today, if you want to, for some of you, you need to actually say yes to him for the very first time. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Some of you have wandered away and some of the conversation that we've had today has brought up some old stuff or things you haven't confessed yet. I want to give you a chance today before we go just to confess those things. Let God wash you and cleanse you and send you out on your way today, new in Christ Jesus, to walk into everything he has for your life.